The Lord calls us to worship this morning from Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Amen. now together and join our hearts together as we lift up our voices and our hearts to sing praises to you. Lord Jesus, we cry hallelujah and hosanna to the King. On this Easter Sunday, we celebrate your resurrection and your victory over all of your enemies, our sins and death. And Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit today to worship you in a way that is pleasing in your sight. We pray, Lord, that you would receive our worship and our thankfulness and our joy and that you would delight to fill us with your spirit, that we would hear your word and understand it and walk away today being able to apply it in our lives in a way that will glorify you in the sphere of influence that you have given us in this world. And Lord, we pray now together as you taught your disciples to pray, saying out loud, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. This morning for our confession of faith, we're going to recite together Uh, The Apostles' Creed, it's on page 845 in the the green hymnal in front of you. I'm going to begin by asking you, dear Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear these words of assurance from the book of 1 John about God's forgiveness for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. Amen. Let's continue to worship singing hymn number 277, Christ the Lord is Risen Today.
you may be seated, and the children can come forward for the children's sermon. children, I want to talk with you this morning quickly about something that maybe you know a little bit about. Maybe your parents could tell me whether you do or whether you don't. How many of you like to ask questions? Yeah, a few of them. A few of them. There's maybe a few hands sheepishly not going up, too. Well, how many of you like to like to figure things out and not just hear mom or dad or someone else say, well, this is how something works, but you like to, you like to touch it and hold it and see it. Yeah, a few of you, a few of you, not everybody. Well, when Jesus resurrected from the grave, and what that is what we celebrate this Easter, when the ladies, according to the Gospel of Luke, it was ladies that saw the tomb was empty first. And the angel that saw the ladies said, why do you seek the living among the dead? They were going to see Jesus. They were going to put ointment and spices on his body and prepare him for being buried. That because they thought, just like anybody else who had died, he would be in the grave. That he would stay there. Spider Man. This is a recurring theme for you now. Well, I'm talking about a Superman, actually. Not the same Superman you're talking about, though. Because I'm talking about Jesus who rose from the dead. He was dead. For three days he was in the grave, Wyatt, and he stayed there. Yes. Let, well, let me let me finish, okay? We can talk about it later. We can talk about it later. So, there were some ladies who went back and told the disciples, He's risen. He's gone. And there were some folks who were in the temple guard. They went back and told the priests. Somebody did something, but we didn't mess up. Somebody else messed up, but we didn't. And after the chief priests and everybody discussed it, and they had a big meeting, they said, look, we don't want things to look bad for you, and we certainly don't want them to look bad for us. So we're going to give you a whole lot of money, and you tell everybody that the disciples came and did this. They broke in at night, and they stole Jesus' body. That's what happened. And so... After the disciples were in the room, they heard what the ladies told them. They were really sad. We thought Jesus was the one. He taught powerfully. He did miracles. We saw Him. We were there. We were part of what He did. And one day, Jesus came into the room while they were there being sad and the faces were long. And one of the disciples, Thomas, wasn't there. And when Jesus came and appeared to Thomas later, he said, don't be unbelieving, Thomas, but believing. Touch my hands and touch my side. Look at me. Give me something to eat. Don't, don't be disbelieving, Thomas. Have faith. He wanted him to believe. You can go to Jesus with your doubts, little ones. You can go to Jesus with your questions. You can go to Jesus with your concerns about things that 
just don't seem to make sense. I read the Bible and it just doesn't make sense. How is it possible that a man could be alive and then be dead for three days and then rise from the dead? But we believe that's true, right? We believe it by faith that the Bible says it and we take it for what it is. So celebrate the resurrection today. Your Savior rose from the dead and it's true and real. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for these covenant children that you have blessed us with. Lord, I pray for their families and I pray for them that today would be a sacred and wonderful day of worship as we celebrate your resurrection. Lord, I pray that you would help them in their hearts to believe by faith. And when they have questions or doubts, that they wouldn't be afraid to ask them, that they would come to you or their parents and say, well, tell me more. Help me to understand. I don't really, I don't really see it. Lord, I pray that we would have endurance and strength and faith to, to sit with them and to sit ourselves with you with our questions and not just set them aside. In your name, amen. Thank you. This morning for our responsive reading, we're going to be reading Psalm 65. It's on page 807 in your hymnal. Page 807, Psalm 65. I'll begin, I'll read the bold portion. Please begin with the light portion together. To you, our vows will be fulfilled. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. Who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength. Those living far away fear your wonders. Where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. Let's read the last phrase all together. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. Let's continue to worship standing, singing the Day of Resurrection, hymn number 267.
Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we cry out to you now as your people joining our hearts together. As we have sung praises to you, and Lord, as we come in a few moments to read your word, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit, Lord, that we would hear it and understand it, that we would hear the words of the gospel and believe them by faith. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here together as your people today to sing praises and to pray to the only true God, the one who lives and who sits on the throne, to lift up the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrected King. Lord, we pray this morning as we think about those around the world who some are suffering and some are lonely and some are fearful. And Lord, even in our own midst, there are people who are struggling and we cry out to you today, Lord Jesus, that you would be very near to your people. Lord, we pray for those around the world today who are celebrating the resurrection, but do so thinking about great harm to themselves. Lord, we pray for brothers and sisters who are in the countries of Russia and the Ukraine and in Poland, those who are struggling and suffering separated from their families. Lord, we pray for your people in their midst, that they would be an encouragement, that they would share the gospel, and that people in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their trials, would hear the good news of the gospel and believe. Lord, I do also pray for our missionary, Bethany, that you would be with her, Lord, as we support her from this church. Lord, we we send money to her and we just pray that you would, Lord, give her great wisdom and grace as she serves you. Help her, Lord, as she does her work, as she has many things to work on and different priorities. Lord, I pray that you would give her the, the time in the day to get work done. I pray also that you would bless her upcoming marriage, that it would be for your glory, and that that union would be a picture of your love for your church. And Lord, I also pray, as she asked us to pray a few weeks ago, I pray for those who have been sent out recently into countries they've never been to before, and Lord, who are away from what they know is familiar this Easter. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them, and I pray that you would meet their financial needs as they are there. And meet their spiritual needs as well. As they are lonely and away from other family that they would typically be with. Lord, I pray that you would fill them with your spirit to do your work. And Lord, we do pray for the advance of the gospel. You promise in your word that your word does not return to you void. And we pray, Lord, that as the gospel is shared, that lost souls would be moved out of the kingdom of darkness and into your glorious kingdom of light. For the sake and for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.
want to invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. We'll be reading verses 13 to 35. The sermon this morning is entitled, Burning Hearts. Luke, chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. This is the word of the Lord. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you are having with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things have happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and He indicated that He would have gone farther. But they constrained Him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And He went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the Scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Luke 24 that we've just read contains an account of two of the disciples of Jesus and their Savior. Though during most of the portion of the scripture that we read, they didn't realize it was Jesus. As they walked along the road away from Jerusalem, the week had been filled with thrills, but ended in disaster. A man that they regarded as a great prophet of God who performed miracles and did wonders publicly, and who was welcomed into Jerusalem at the beginning of the week with praises and shouts of Hosanna and waving palm branches, died a horrific death before their eyes just three days ago. The hope that they had for the revelation of the kingdom died when Jesus died, and when the stone was rolled in front of the entry to the tomb, their hearts sank. As the reality of Jesus' death set in, 
And the scandal continued with the tall tale that some of the disciples believed some of the women told in Luke 24.11. These men decide to leave town. Why else would we stay? The feast is over. Jesus is dead. There's nothing else for us to do here. We've got to get back home. We have to be at work tomorrow after all. They leave with their heads hanging low and their faith is hanging on like a thread. It is exactly in these moments that Jesus, concealing Himself at first, it was He who had closed their eyes so that they wouldn't recognize Him. It is in those moments that Jesus drew near to these two disciples of His. He exposes their unbelief. He opens the Scriptures and explains them to them. And He reveals Himself to them as the glorious risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the King. So this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture, we will see He exposes their unbelief. He explains the Scriptures. And lastly, He reveals Himself to them. I want to begin by asking you a question and answering it from the Shorter Catechism, question number 28, which says, Wherein consisted Christ's exaltation? For the last few weeks, we have been talking about and leading up to His humiliation. And today, as the people of God, we celebrate His exaltation. The answer says, Christ's exaltation consisteth in His rising again from the dead on the third day, in ascending up into heaven, in sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and in coming to judge the world at the last day. Christ is existing in exaltation, and He continues to. And that's why we gather every Sunday to celebrate the resurrection as we await the second coming of our Savior. He promised that He would, and we believe that He will. Let's look at this passage of Scripture. First, in verses 25 to 26, He, Jesus, exposes their unbelief. He says to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and then enter into His glory? You see, they knew a little bit about Jesus. They had seen things that had taken place, but they didn't actually see. In the Bible, sight is something that's not just something you do with your physical eyes. And what Jesus is saying here is that they weren't able to see with eyes of faith. They weren't able to put the pieces together. Sight in the Bible is always something that is a spiritual gift from God. He gives it to you. The seeing is a gift, and you use that sight to see and behold the Lord Jesus. That's why it is a trust to us. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 13, quoting from Isaiah, it says, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. It's possible to hear the good things of God, to read the Bible, to hear the songs that we have sung this morning and not have your heart touched. It is possible that you could see the Lord Jesus and not see Him for who He is in all of His beauty and all of His glory. If they could see Him with their eyes and not see Him, then you and I may certainly miss Him in the Scriptures. They had set their hope on a different kind of kingdom. They had hoped that the earthly kingdom of the nation of Israel would be established. That's what they were hoping for in Jesus. They hoped that He would go into Jerusalem and kick out Rome and reestablish Israel's prominence. They hoped for that kind of kingdom. They wanted deliverance and they wanted to see judgment, just not on themselves. And that's why in Luke chapter 19 it says that while He was having a conversation with them and He knew how their hearts were changing and how their hearts were stirring, that He proceeded to tell them a parable 
to teach them about the kingdom because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. They thought that the heavenly kingdom would be established then. All that Luke is saying in this passage of Scripture, everything that he's doing to get your attention, to tell you about the people walking and Jesus being there and the discussion, everything that he's doing throughout his gospel is to point to the fact that many times we also miss Jesus. We read the Scriptures and we we think about our Savior and we want to fashion Him after our own desires. We want a Savior who will take care of our enemies, who will provide for our needs and most of our wants. We want a Jesus who will deal with other people's sins and not our own. And yet, one of the interesting things about this life, and I know that many of you go through this, is that one of the ways that the Lord Jesus desired to bring in the kingdom, it was His plan, was through pain and suffering and difficulty. And I believe that's why many of us crumble as we walk with the Lord. Because He brings His children through that. He did that Himself. And we miss Jesus if we think that our life is supposed to be free of those things. We miss Jesus and maybe we're disappointed like these two men. Lord, I thought faith in You meant good things. I thought faith in You meant that I wouldn't have some of these struggles. That I wouldn't go through trials. And what was Jesus doing the whole time While he waited and suffered in the garden, he said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Let this cup pass from me if it can. If there's any other way to redeem my people, then do it, Heavenly Father. But if there isn't another way, your will be done. Have you prayed that prayer? Your will be done in my life. And as you see suffering and difficulties and trials and temptations, those are not signs that the Lord doesn't love you. Those are not signs that the Lord has left you. Those are signs that He's with you, dear people of God. And He is walking with you. And He is holding your hand. And you're not trudging up the hill. He's carrying you in His loving arms. He is your Savior. And there are times that He exposes our unbelief that we might cling to Him by faith, just as He did with these two men. Secondly, He explains the Scriptures to them. Can you imagine what kind of Bible lesson this must have been? What passages would you choose? Jesus, could you answer this one? Could you please explain this one? Well, what about this in 2 Kings? Or this in Joshua? Or Judges? What does this mean, Lord? It says that beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them the things concerning Himself in all of the Scriptures. They were disappointed in Jesus because He didn't come to deliver God's people from their oppressors. The enemy that the Messiah came to defeat was much more sinister, much more ancient, and much more than someone outside who could hurt their body. The enemy Jesus came to defeat was Satan and their sin, to uproot it out of their hearts. The fall in the garden was not the end of the story for God's people. It was the beginning. You remember the promise that God made to Eve about the serpent. And about her seed who would come and crush the head of the serpent. That was a promise that had been made. And it was being fulfilled in their eyes. It was fulfilled. Jesus did rise from the dead. They just didn't know that it was Him yet. They heard the stories, but they didn't have the faith to believe. And for whatever reason, even though Jesus had told them time and time again, they did not remember. For whatever reason, what they saw in front of them was all they could see. And they were sunken in their hearts and souls. In verse 44 to 49, Luke is recording another post-resurrection appearance of the Lord Jesus, and he explains in more detail to the disciples 
the Scriptures. Something likely very similar to what He told these two disciples as they walked along the road to Emmaus. He didn't stop. He didn't go over to a rest stop. They're just walking and He's explaining the Scriptures. And you wonder, who is this guy? I don't see a bag. He's not opening scrolls. How can He just go to page after page after page of what the priests in the temple read and then they send someone else and go get another one and bring that and read that. And He's just doing it seemingly from memory. Who is this guy? He doesn't even know what's going on. We had to tell Him of all things. At least part of what Jesus would have explained to these men. And I don't know. But I imagine Jesus explained, look at everything in the Old Testament sacrificial system. Look at all the sacrifices. Look at all the blood. Look at the temple. Look at the altar. Look at the Holy of Holies. And everything that took place for people to be in God's presence. Why was it that only the high priest could go once a year on the Day of Atonement? Why was it that the people would gather but they had to be far away? Because the holiness of God required that they couldn't be close And what He decided to explain to them that day was that God has come after you. You don't come to Him. He comes to you. And I came to you as the Son of the living God who is the Ancient of Days. That God alone is the One who is sovereign over all of creation. My Father was carrying out a plan and He sent me to do a task and I did it. I came and gave myself sacrificially as the Lamb, the only Lamb of God, There will no longer be sacrifices for the sins of God's people because I have come and given Myself. I am the Messiah. I came to suffer on behalf of My people. He explained to them everything in the Scriptures concerning Himself. Lastly, He revealed Himself to them while He was sitting at the table. What an intimate setting to sit down and share a meal. It's something that we have kind of absconded in our culture. We can go to a window at a building and get a meal and sit in the car and eat and rush back to what we have to do. But in their time, to sit down and have a meal was an ordeal. You sat down. People's feet were washed. You reclined at the table. You didn't sit in chairs. And you sat down and you ate together. And you talked. It wasn't fast food. It wasn't a microwave. Somebody had put thought into it. Maybe just like the meal you're going to have in a little while to celebrate Easter Sunday. They sat down together. And Jesus took the bread and He blessed it and He broke it. And it says that immediately as He did it, their eyes were opened and they knew who He was. They recognized Him. It was like scales were on their eyes and they fell off. It's Jesus. It's Him. He wasn't talking about someone else. He was talking about Himself. And it says that as soon as they saw Him, He vanished. And they were excited. They were overjoyed. They had traveled seven miles And they ran all the way back to Jerusalem and told the disciples, it's true. What the women said is true. He's alive. It's not a tall tale, men. He is alive. That tomb was empty, not because somebody stole Him, but because it could not hold Him. He has risen. Hallelujah. But there's some questions I have about this passage of Scripture. Maybe you have them. Why did Jesus travel all that way? He walked seven miles with them. Why did He go all that way with them in the afternoon? He heard their accusations about Him. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's going on? And He lets them ask. And He even opened the Scriptures and told them about the Messiah. And He didn't say, He didn't grandstand a bit. He didn't say, and by the way, men, this is Me. He told them all the things that they needed to hear and understand about the Messiah. Things that they knew. These were Bible stories they understood. 
This wasn't something that was new. He didn't find some obscure passage in Lamentations and say this is the key to everything in the Old Testament. He told them things they knew. These are about the Messiah. And I believe that the answer to that question is that He wanted them to see that the life that they would continue to live trusting in Him and in His work would not be a walk or a life of sight. They would not see Jesus much longer after this. He would show Himself to many other people. He would do miracles. And then He would ascend into heaven. And everyone who was there would see it. They knew that He went. But I believe He did this for them so that they would see with eyes of faith and not with physical eyes. That walking with Me, He's saying to them, walking with Me, dear ones, is not something you're going to do like walking with other people. You're going to walk with Me by faith. And I will be with you by My Spirit. And I promise... I told you before that I would send a comforter to you. Don't you believe I keep my promises? If they needed another reason to be reminded, He gives them another. And He does it. He says, you will walk with Me by faith. I will fill you with My Spirit. I will remind you of the things that I told you. Don't give up, dear ones. Don't let your faith drop off. Don't let your head hang. I am the risen Savior. Do you know that I came to accomplish this? This wasn't a mistake. It wasn't the Jewish people or the the religious leaders. It wasn't the Romans. Those are not your enemies. The sin and unbelief inside of you is your enemy. And I came to defeat it and to deliver you into my kingdom. And I will come again one day to receive you to myself. And you will be in heaven with me in that place that I told you I would prepare for you. I believe that's why Jesus allowed them to ask the questions. Why He allowed them to walk with their doubts. But I want to ask, why didn't they recognize Jesus? I know that He had been beaten. He had been horribly crucified. His body, according to Isaiah, says that we hid our faces from Him because He was so horribly mistreated that you would not have recognized Him. But He resurrected from the dead. Why didn't they see Him? Weren't there some features about Him that would have been similar? Why was it that they didn't see? It wasn't because of how He looked. And it wasn't because they were walking straight and didn't look over at this man who's traveling with them. The reason they didn't see is because their eyes were closed from seeing. They didn't see. As you look at the Bible, as you read it, as you pray to the Lord, as you ask for faith, that is exactly what you have to do. You don't read the Bible like anything else and just understand it. You may be able to put logical things together, but to believe the Scriptures is an act of faith and it's a gift that the Lord Jesus gives to His people. He kept their eyes closed. And at the right moment, right when He decided, it was His choice, He opened their eyes and they saw Him. And they rejoiced. And it says that their hearts burned within them. I want to conclude by asking some questions this morning. One of the things that shouts from this text is that God's people were aching for a deliverer. Their oppression was real, but it seemed that they had really underestimated the most significant problem in their whole life. They were hoping that all of the social, political things out in the world, if those got right, life would be okay. And aren't we that way? Don't you think that way? Man, if the gas prices were better, if I could just buy some land, if I could buy a dozen eggs and not have to take out a loan, things would probably be okay. Isn't that where we live day to day? If this could just be a little bit better. And that's the same way they were. 
Man's sin in the garden, though, was the reason that God suffered. It wasn't because of bad politics or bad international relations. It was because of our sin. Adam and Eve took the fruit and they ate it. And God told them not to. They disobeyed God. And they broke His covenant. And they broke us with it. And we, each of us, have sin inside of us. And unless you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, you are alone in the world. And the Bible says that the wrath of God will be poured out on you. The glorious truth of the Gospel is, and we celebrated it on Thursday night, that the wrath of God that was due God's people was poured out on His Son. He drank it to the bottom like a cup of wine, down to the very dregs, down to the sediment in the cup. There's not another drip for you. If you belong to God, all of the wrath that was due your sin was poured out on Jesus. And if you ever wonder, can He really love me? I've, I've done so many things wrong. I've taken so many bad left turns and right turns. How could He really love me? How can you keep getting second chances? Is it really true? What you should do with that question is go back to the cross. Because if God, our Heavenly Father, would choose to crucify His Son and put Him to grief, He would not pay that payment if He didn't intend to love you, His people, and to give you faith and hope in believing. It doesn't mean that you have carte blanche, a blank check to live life the way that you want to. It means you should walk in obedience and love, not to earn His love, but because you already have it. If you have trusted in Him by faith, and you know the Lord Jesus, you don't have to live to keep His forgiveness. You get to live and walk in it because you already have it, dear people of God. It is already a gift that He has given you. And I want to say too that I think vision problems for all of us are systemic. I'm not talking about glasses or contacts or any corrective lenses. I'm talking about looking at life and only seeing what's right in front of you. The road to Emmaus was not the last time that Jesus was misunderstood. We still deny in many ways that we need a suffering Savior for ourselves. I want to ask you, are you regularly repenting of ways in which you live in denial of a need for a Savior? Well, I believed in Jesus, I trusted in Him, or I prayed a prayer, or I got dunked in water, or I had water poured on me. As you think about your faith, what is it that you point to? Is it those things, or is it the work of the Lord Jesus? That He did suffer a brutal death on the cross, that He was put in a grave, and we believe He did rise victoriously over it, which we celebrate today. This is Easter. And let me ask you one final question. As the men who were talking together, when they looked at one another and they said, it's Him, it's really Him, they said, did not our hearts burn as He walked with us on the road? Does your heart burn? Do you remember a time when you read the Scriptures when you heard the Gospel and your heart leapt and it felt like your stomach was in your throat? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And if you trust in the Lord Jesus, then rejoice today. But if your heart has never burned before, if you've not trusted in God as your only Savior, then today is the day of salvation. Look to the Lord and believe and trust in Him. Don't walk away from the Lord Jesus thinking that there will be another opportunity. Lastly, it was Jesus who drew to these men. It was not them who said, come on over here. Do you believe, dear people of God, that it is God who comes after you? He's the one running after you like He did explaining the story of the prodigal son. He's the one that's running to you to call you to Himself. He's drawing you to Him. Have faith. Look at Jesus. Read the Scriptures. See 
the Lord Jesus Christ lifted up. May He be lifted up in your hearts today as we celebrate this Easter Sunday and as we wait for His second coming. Jesus promised, I will come again and receive you to Myself. Don't give up on that promise, dear ones. Don't leave here today thinking it might happen, but I don't really know if it's true. Maybe it's just what Christians do so they won't feel bad about life and look at the things on TV and just crumble in in grief. No, it's true. Jesus is coming again. The King is returning again and He will take us home to be in heaven with Him forever. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank You and we celebrate this Easter Sunday, this day to worship You, to celebrate the resurrection as we anticipate our own resurrection Lord, we pray that You would fill us with faith. And Lord, I do pray if there's anyone in my hearing in this room or in the educational building who does not know You, who has not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and has not stopped from seeking to try to earn salvation, Lord, I pray that You would confront their hearts with the truth of the Gospel. That they would hear and believe that they would confess faith in the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that You would encourage Your people here today That as we celebrate another Easter together, it is yet another reminder of your goodness and your faithfulness, your steadfastness in love, and your sure promises that you give us in your word. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for this gift. In your name, amen. Let's stand together and sing hymn number 276, Up from the Grave He Arose.
you may be seated as we take an offering to the glory of God. For the gift of music and the way that it blesses our soul. And Lord, we thank you now to be able to give our tithes and our offerings. Lord, we are unworthy recipients of all of your grace and especially all the blessings that you pour out on us. And Lord, help us not to believe in the midst of our giving and in the midst of all the receiving that we do of your blessings to believe that we are better than anyone else. Lord, we thank you that you have blessed us and we return a portion of it now and say that we have faith and hope in You. And Lord, help us to not give our hearts over to the things of this world, believing that money or possessions will give us happiness, or that they are able to redeem our souls. In Your name, Amen.
just a reminder, we have no evening services tonight. Receive the benediction of our Lord from Jude. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.